It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. Welcome to the show. This is another episode of Frontline Friday with my regular and very special guest, Bridget Gleason. Bridget, how are you? I'm doing great, Andy. How are you? Oh, good. Good. Doing great. Um, yeah, no complaints. How about that? That's good. That's, that's, uh, that's how it should be that's right. on a Friday morning. If I could think about it, maybe if I had time to think about it, maybe I could come up with something. But Yeah, not worthwhile. Not I worthwhile. Also, it's, not you know, I keep myself too busy to worry about the complaints. So That's right. Good. Yeah, yeah. So um, I thought today we one of the topics we wanted to talk about was what I call some of the most pointless arguments in sales. Yeah, we seem to spend a lot of time as an industry sort of arguing about some things that to me just really don't matter. Mm. Um, actually, I, I, there's a great old uh, Bill Murray movie called Meatballs. I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. Oh, yes. That's an old one. <laughs> and I love this movie. And in particular, there's one scene where it's you know, a story about poor kids, sort of a you know, middle-class campers going up against a, a summer camp in Canada and middle-class campers going up against a snooty camp, right? The rich kids camp in an athletic competition. But in one of the scenes toward the end where Bill Murray's giving a, a pep talk to, to the team, and, uh, you know, he keeps going on, but sort of a call and re- reply type thing where he's, you know, makes this big statement. He says, you know, it just doesn't matter. And he goes through his list of things that just doesn't matter. Um, and mm-hmm. I always think about that when I think about some of these arguments we <laughs> show up in sales. Like, okay, how far into their buying journey are prospects before they engage with a sales a salesperson? God, and Andy, do, I have not been to a conference where that's where not brought that, up. <laughs> and over and over as if it's, first of all, as if it's new information, as if this is a revelation uh, that, that buyers are however far along in the buying process. Right. It comes up over and over and over. Yeah. And so I'm invoking the spirit of Bill Murray in Meatballs. You know, it just doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, it's like... Why is that so important? Well, and I, I guess I don't know that I would say. So, so when you say it doesn't matter, well, it, the, it, it, I, I guess that the question is: it matters if it's actionable. The things that I want to spend cycles on are things that matter because there's some action I should take or shouldn't take, or something I should do differently. Like, what do what is actionable about that? that I need to pay attention to? I think that's really the question. Right. And I think it's more, in that particular case, I think it's more about what you don't do mm-hmm. as opposed to what you do. I think what you do, if you're, if you're in a first call with a customer, I think irrespective of whether they're near the beginning of their buyer's journey or, or they're partway through, I think your questions are going to be somewhat the same because you don't know them at all. I would say the only... But the things that you... Oh, I was just going to say, the thing you shouldn't do is the same, which is, you know, you shouldn't launch into your pitch. 
Well, yes, that's always been that's always been uh, a rule, a maxim. Don't just launch into your pitch, although people continue to do it. Well, especially at top of funnel, right? If they think the person has just started their way, I'm gonna, I need to pitch them so they really understand. Well, no, you, you still you want to lead with those killer questions that can get them thinking about their objectives and their aspirations and the value you can add to them. I think where people, the, the caveat, or maybe the thing that I would mention alongside of that comment, Andy, mm-hmm. is let's say um, the I know certain information about a prospect because of a form that they filled out or a webinar that they've attended or some comments that they've already given to me or given to the company along the way. What I don't want to do is act like I didn't get that information and have them repeat it all to me again. So I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I think of is when I'm on. I'm. I get an automated attendant for let's say a credit card, and they ask me for my zip code and and my name and my credit card number and my address and the problem, and I go do it all through the automated attendant, and then a person comes on That's and asks the same me. Thing. <laughs> and so we don't want to do the equivalent. Exactly. Oh, I agree. But I, but I think your your point, what and which I I agree with very strongly, is the questions that we ask. A great sales rep is the the, the most important questions that they ask are often not the details that you're going to get from a form or an automated attendant. And then I agree with you. You're really starting. Almost from ground zero, you may have a little bit more content. You you may have a little bit more information, but you are still trying to establish this place of sort of mutual purpose. What are they trying to accomplish, and where might you be helpful in that? Yeah, and the fact is that that the world has changed so much. Is that gosh, it's very rare that someone's picking up the phone and calling into you, right? So doesn't happen nearly as often as we'd like. As you like, right? So. It's not like someone's caught unaware that a buyer that's been on, you know, downloading white papers and so on picks up the phone, calls you, and and you know, it's just like cold. You don't have no idea because on the top of the funnel, we mostly have our sales development teams or you know some inside sales function doing some maybe rudimentary research, but at least having some understanding of who it is they're talking to. And similarly, if you're responding to. Uh, somebody that's downloaded some white papers, filled out a form, whatever. You've got some of their information. You've done a little research on them as well. Is you're always going to be forearmed, almost always these days. Mm-hmm. So is is that first call really that substantially different? And I'd argue that it's, it's not necessarily that the first sub. It's a substantive conversation as opposed to you know cold outreach. But I mean, it's once you get into that conversation layer, it's it's pretty much the same. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. And and it's sort of the initial premise that you brought up, or you know, the meatballs. Now I'm very anxious to go watch that movie again. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in years and years and years. And as I mentioned, available before, on Netflix. I am. I'm taking a long trip, so I'm going to Russia. Oh and yeah, get that on your iPad. Get it on my iPad and just have some good, mindless things to to keep me occupied as I make my way. Yeah, we should have had an episode just on the entertainment you should have had on your iPad. <laughs> to, 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 yeah, 
I don't know that salespeople would really care what I what frivolous things that I'm gonna. Well, no, but we've got lots of people in the audience that that travel for sales. Not everybody's an inside well, that's sales. True. I mean, people. That's true. I mean, I. One of my worst fears in life is I'm on an airplane with nothing to read or watch. <laughs> Gosh, Andy, you and me both. I mean, I, I've always blown away by people that I've, I've done had this on international flights. You know, seventeen hours going from Australia, where you know someone sits down next to me, doesn't have a doesn't have a briefcase or a backpack, sits down in the seat, and they're just awake <laughs> for seventeen hours, or they sleep part of the time, but do nothing. I know, but I can't do that. uh, But in some ways, Andy, and I know we're digressing from the topic, I aspire to that. Because I I read something about someone who, when they went on a a long flight like that, that they intentionally brought nothing. Because that was their time for meditation and thought and deep thinking. And we get so little of that time. And to... Have t- my brain is way too hyperactive and jumpy is the best way to put it. That to have sort of that sustained amount of time of I would argue almost it, it would require intense sort of co- concentration and focus. <laughs> I, I just God, I'm so far from there. I can barely do ten minutes. So yeah, yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I do some meditation, mindfulness exercises. But yeah, I don't but need not a spot. I don't have seventeen hours. No, that's that's like a. No, that's 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 it's like amazing. going to a that's monastery on a retreat. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's advanced. Okay, so, <laughs> yeah. back, so to, back to back to, to back to the topic at hand. Okay, so, so another another issue, yeah. um, that again seems sort of crazy is, is I don't know. I mean, it's it's one is like how many decision makers are there on a deal? I mean, so now. There's all this you know, research. We have 5.4 decision makers. I, I want to specialize in selling to the point four. Uh, 5.4 decision makers on a deal. Yeah. If you're selling anything that's been sort of complex over any period of time, is is if you've had any sort of success and been in the business for a while, you you understand that yeah, there's multiple decision makers, stakeholders, influencers on every deal. So it's like. Now this seems to be some sort of revealed wisdom that she's here repeated back in nearly every presentation you go to a conference these days. Yeah, that's another it, one. That's like, another one. Yeah, there's nothing new here. I mean, it's it's like I get I know the value really. I think from that, and but I've heard people have you know fairly heated debates about whether it's five or three or blah blah blah, and it's just like or even one. You know that hey, it doesn't really matter as long as you're selling to the CEO. The rest are irrelevant. It's like, uh, yeah, it, yeah. This is nothing new. You have to if you if you've had any sort of success and longevity in the field, you learned that you need to be able to sell to, and you have to sell, not broadly and deeply within an organization. Yeah, and understanding that that there are decision makers and there are influencers, and it's if, like you said, Andy, if you've been doing it for any length of time, in any even moderately complex sale or a sale that's going to touch more than one person, oftentimes there's, there's more than one people that you need to make sure are on board. And, and, and I agree with you. Does it matter if it's one or three or 4.7? It doesn't really matter. I think it's the job of the salesperson to understand 
who's involved and how they're involved and what's their role in the decision-making process. And that, it doesn't really matter, like you said, if there's one or four or three or whatever, it's really making sure that you understand the decision-making process and the people's role roles in that. Exactly. Yeah, and that, so I think that as I started going through, I was building a list of this, these sort of arguments that, <laughs> that seem really pointless that people spend time on. And it seems like to some degree it's sort of a, maybe they serve a useful function and they help us just sort of continually think about these issues that, that are important, but that um, on one level you think we would have understood already. And so I'll, I'll give you an example. Is, is, oh, gosh, I don't know. Let's, let's talk about the whole thing about being customer-centric. Now, there was a great book written in 2002 called Customer-Centric Selling. Yeah, Michael Bosworth, uh, you know, a seminal book in sales development, complex sales. And yet here we are. It's coming back today. More and more we talk about you know, the importance of being customer-centric. Well, it's always been important to be customer-centric. Andy, and, so, and that so, was... So I'm, I'm sort of curious as to... As I started thinking about those, I said, "Well, really, I guess what I guess what we're doing is we're sort of taking things that have always sort of been the case, and we rename them and reemphasize them because they're just lessons that haven't been internalized yet." Well, and also, what? Okay, so when when would you ever? not want to be customer-centric. Well, I know. I mean, that's like the opposite of that. So the fact that we even have books at any point in time, even 2002, about, and that it's revolutionary, you need to be customer-centric. Well, geez, who, who, who should we center it around if it's not the customer? Sure. If not the customer, then who? I, I, love, the, I, I love that one. That one, that, one, that one goes to the tippy top for me in terms of, Wow! What would uh, that one's? That one's almost a duh. I don't know if it's a pointless argument. <laughs> well, uh, well, and it's, but I mean, the fact that you have to be reminded of it means clearly that, that there's some segment of our our profession that's not not operating that way. It's a bit egocentric. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, there was a. I mean, Altify came out with a report. Uh, used to be the Task Group, now called Altify, came out with a report. Yeah, but sort of about value, selling with value and so on. But one of the things that findings they had in their research was that, you know, salespeople's perceptions of the value they provide is 40% higher than what the customers believe. I believe that. And so <laughs> right there you see this mismatch in terms of being customer-centric because the salespeople think, yeah, we're being very value-driven in this and the... the uh, Customers going, yeah, yeah, I, I really don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's actually, a, that's that's a relevant point. Is is I think for the most part, not just salespeople, but humans, we're not that self aware, and what what we think we're doing and what customer centric, what we might think is customer centric, is not what the customer thinks is customer centric. And so there's probably some value in kind of reframing and helping us to look at things, look at things a different way. Um, I, I, 
again, I think it's an, it's an obvious one. And yet perhaps, it, as you point out, if it were so obvious, not only would we not keep people not keep writing books about it, but people wouldn't keep buying the books if it, if it were not so dead on obvious. Well, yeah. And so I, I, I wonder, I think about this in the context of sort of, all right, we've been selling sort of in this form, I'll call it modern selling, sort of since the 1890s is what people sort of date the back to. You know, first modern business-to-business, quote-unquote, industrial sales pioneered by National Cash Register, NCR, back when they were selling cash registers. And yeah, we're fundamentally selling in a lot of the same ways that we did since then. Um, but a lot of these lessons, as you said, being customer centric, it's you would think of over a hundred and almost oh, close to 130 years that we would have inculcated these <laughs> these lessons to a much more internal degree than we have. But I guess maybe it's what keeps sales trainers and other people in businesses that that uh, you know every time a new generation enters the, the sales force, you know, they need to be retaught these things. Well, and maybe as as we've talked about before, um, just as we as salespeople need to position our product and service to the prospect or customer within the context of their world and their environment, et cetera. I guess let's take these books and these concepts and these sales training methodologies perhaps also need to be recontextualized given, let's say, millennials. You know, how do we take the concepts that worked, let's say, for our generation and how do we recontextualize these concepts so that they're relevant for the current generation of salespeople and the reality of their world with the Internet and how people... Um, interact and get information, and so maybe it's just maybe it's maybe it's just an extension of what we've talked about in terms of needing to make sure that the product and service is relevant, and not commoditized. Is, is sort of a, a new book talking about an old concept in a new way is really just doing the same thing to the modern salesperson for the modern salesperson. Yeah, well, I just also wonder whether it's just sort of inextricably bound. And we're again, or we sort of strayed a little bit from being customer centric, but it, sort of coming back to that is just uh, human relationships in general. You know, we've we've improved some over over time as as people, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it's sort of a good lesson that some of us learn when we're growing up is that when you meet someone new, that it's good manners to talk about them, not yourself. <laughs> Do you think people are still taught that? I run into a whole well, lot of people that don't seem to have learned that lesson yeah, yet. Yeah, right. So, so, but I think at some level, I mean, there's certain things that, yeah, yeah, books on manners and you know how to build relationships and all these, you know, constantly being rewritten because we're you know, very complex, complex individuals. Um, that maybe these are really lessons, and this is something we could explore in other episodes. Really, lessons that that we need to learn as humans first. And if we learn those as humans, then it becomes easier to apply in a sales setting. You know, if we had been taught when we're young, is that yeah, when you meet somebody new, is 
you know, it's only polite that you ask about them before you launch into a detailed discussion of, of you personally. Right? I mean, hey, if I met you first time, you wouldn't want me to spend five minutes talking about what I did in my life up to that point. I, I don't think people connect the two, Andy. Even those with very good manners and brought up in that way, I, I, I'm just, as you're talking, I'm thinking about reps that I have worked with that are extremely well-mannered and brought up well and will, you know, stand up when a woman leaves the room and haven't, haven't sort of created that bridge between those manners and bringing that into a selling environment. Yeah, being customer-centric, right? Right. Well, that's, that, that could be our book right there. I know. We, didn't we, we had one not too long ago, too, that we were thinking about writing. So we're starting to get our own little collection of little books. Little library. To, our, own, our own special library. Frontline Friday are, presents. Where we are rewriting the concepts. I like it, though. We, don't, we hardly need to have an original thought. <laughs> I know you don't like that. I do. I like that. <laughs> well, I think you need to have original thoughts. The original thoughts come in, in, as you talked about, creating context. So we create the context that sales is really not that much different than just normal interpersonal interactions that you have in your life on a daily basis. Well, yeah, that's, that is the case. And that... You know, the original thought is how to get people to connect those two. Let's okay. Let's make the list, Andy. Are you keeping the book list? I am keeping that. I've got a list of notes here. Okay, perfect. All right, so we're done for today. Um, it's been great as always to talk to you. Likewise, Andy. And we'll look forward to talking again next Friday. And for everybody listening, if you have any comments on the show or have questions you'd like us to address, you know, please contact us. Send us an email at. Andy at zerotimeselling.com, or you can call and leave a message at 619-866-4681, something you want Bridget and I to, to help address for you. And we look forward to talking to you again here shortly, and thanks for tuning in today. Have a great one. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.